Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Well, listen, today is a bit of a treat because, uh, as you know, if you've been part of Coast of Vineyard, you'll know that we really value having fresh voices uh, from within and outside of our church so that we can just keep um, thriving, you know, like have a rich diet of input and perspectives from different people. And of course, this year has made that a little more challenging than normal. Funnily enough, our international friends don't really want to come to just speak on a Sunday and have to do two weeks of quarantine to do so. So, uh, so we're working on like, how can we do that as we go forward in this new world? But we are actually very spoilt for choice in terms of having very gifted and qualified people within our own church community. And so today we're going to hear from three of them. And I know that you'll be as excited as I am to just hear some fresh perspectives and to get to know some of our coasties a little bit better. So uh, I'm going to introduce each one as they come up. They've got uh, around about 10 minutes each. And uh, it's kind of like tag team preaching. We've got three of them today. So, and will you just give them loads of support as they go? So like that means that you give them some feedback, you know, back and forth encouragement, all of that kind of thing, all the things that you normally do. So first of all, I want to introduce you to Andrew. He is our new operations manager. Whoop, whoop. So I'm stoked that, uh, that you are all getting to know him uh, so quickly. But also uh, something for you to know about Andrew is that he actually has just, all three of our speakers have just finished study. So you have just finished your master's in philosophy. Yes, I have. Yes, you have. Passed in that last thesis just before you started working with us, which is absolutely awesome. So well done you. And I will let you get on. Thank you. Well, welcome church. And it's great to be here this morning. And so we're, we're talking about what I've been thinking, what's been on my mind. And it struck me, actually, while we were, while we were worshipping, that what we sang about was exactly what's been on my mind. Uh, particularly, I love that opening stanza of, of Graves into Gardens. And it says, the opening lines of that song, I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Isn't that just so true? And if you want to remember nothing else from the next 10 minutes, remember that. And perhaps after the service, you might like to go back and listen to that song again and just let that sink into your heart. And the others following that were the answer to that. That was just outstanding. And as we know, the world has changed. That COVID-19 has had a serious and severe and probably long-term, if not permanent, impact on the world. Everything around us has been turned upside down. And it's created a number of firsts. Some of them of rather minor significance, such as this is the first time you've heard me speak. Conversely, it's the first time I've spoken to you. There are other somewhat more important ones, such as the All Blacks lost to Argentina last night. <laughs> But we won't go there, because that just depresses me. And then there are some far more significant ones, and serious ones. And I want to share with you just a few statistics that were 
released earlier in this year while I was doing my study. And the impact that COVID is having. There was a recent international survey covering 95 countries that was published in March that showed Google searches for prayer surged to the highest recorded levels ever. The International Monetary Fund has predicted that the global economic growth for 2020 will be negative 4.9%. The International Labour Organization has estimated this reduction in the global economy is the equivalent of losing 300 million full-time jobs. And it goes on to say that most of those jobs are low-income, low-skilled workers, of which women make up the vast majority. The United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization has estimated that close to 1.2 billion school children around the world have been negatively impacted by the government measures put in place to try and contain COVID-19. And then on top of all of this, there is a mental health crisis that is looming. The World Health Organization reported in May that, and I quote, psychological distress in populations is widespread. Many people are distressed due to the immediate health impacts of the virus and the consequences of physical isolation. Many are afraid of infection, dying and losing family members. Individuals have been physically distanced from loved ones and peers. Millions of people are facing economic turmoil, having lost or being at risk of losing their income and livelihoods. Frequent misinformation and rumors about the virus and deep uncertainty about the future are common sources of distress. A long-term upsurge in the number and severity of mental health problems is likely. The myth that we can find fulfillment and all that we need in the world around us, that the world will provide because we are in control of our own lives and destiny, has been shown for the lie that it is. Despite what the poet William Henley wrote in the poem Invictus, we are not the master of our fate, nor the captain of our soul. And that's been a sudden realization for an awful lot of people right around the world today. Because they have realized that they are not in control. And because of that, they have lost hope. There are feelings of vulnerability. There are feelings of fear, anxiety, stress, hopelessness, uncertainty about what the future holds. Here in New Zealand, we've been extremely fortunate. We have not seen the extent or the, or the severity of the loss of life, the huge numbers of people becoming sick, the straining of the National Health Service and the government resources that so many places in the world are still today experiencing. But we're certainly not immune to the economic and the social effects and the impact that COVID-19 is having. Businesses are failing, or they're facing huge financial pressure. Jobs are being lost. 
The youth are finding it harder than ever to find work. School children are under enormous educational pressure. And that's just to name a few. And so in all of this, a side effect has been brought to the fore for so many people. And that is, if I'm not in control, then who is? And it's got a lot of people thinking, and that is a good thing. Because there are three foundational questions of life that we all, either consciously or subconsciously, seek to find an answer to. No matter who we are, and they have come to stark focus for so many people today. And these are, where do we find our security? Security in that we need to know that we have a safe place to lay our weary head each night. Enough money to pay the bills or to put food on the table for our families. And the second question, where do we find our self-worth or our self-respect? How do we feel about ourselves? Because we need to know that we love who we are, who God created us to be. Perhaps no matter what else somebody might say or do to you. And then thirdly, where do we find our significance? The significance in that who we are matters, that we can and do make a difference to the world around us. It might only be in your own family or your circle of friends or your work, but if we disappeared off the face of the earth tomorrow, would someone notice and those are the three questions that a lot of people are grappling with now. They're seeking to find the answers because they have discovered they cannot find that in the world around them. They cannot find that in material wealth. And they've discovered that not one of us is truly in control of our own lives. And as Christians, we find the answer to these questions in our faith and trust in God. That security, self-worth, and significance can only be truly found in the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. That personal relationship. Because that is where we are assured of our security, assured of our self-worth, and assured of our significance in His eyes. And I want to go over just a couple of scriptures. The Bible is full of scripture that confirms that for us. And so I just want to quickly run over four very common, I'm sure you all know them, but just to remind ourselves of the truth of that. And the first one is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And in fact, that's so important, it was said again in Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And then if that's not enough, there's Matthew 11.28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then I love this last one. It's so simple. Romans 12.12 12. 
be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And when we talk about faith, uh, I heard a, a good one a couple of days ago of how to remember the word, what does the word faith stand for? Feeling afraid, I trust him. Because what is important that a lot of people are discovering is that the real value, the true gold, lies in our personal relationships. Personal relationships with those around us, the people that we love. But most importantly, the personal relationship that we have with Jesus. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know what it is to be a son or daughter of our Lord and Savior, if you've never given over control of your life to him, then I urge you, today's the day. And it could be that you're really feeling stressed, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling fearful, you're feeling uncertain. And when you give over control to Christ, he will come and fill your life. And he will fill you with his joy, with his peace, with his love. And what can be better than that? And so as I close, I just want to pray for each and every one of you. So if you just bow your heads and just close your eyes. Father, how grateful we are that you are in control. That we are not the masters of our own soul. And Lord, for those that have given over their lives to you, Father, but are feeling stressed, are feeling anxious, are feeling uncertain about the future, Lord, I just ask that you speak into their hearts this morning and remind them of not only how much you love them, but that you have a plan and a hope and a future for them. And for those that don't know you, if there's any here today, Father, I just ask that the Holy Spirit really speaks into their hearts and just galvanizes them to invite you into their life and so that they might know what it is to be a son or daughter of the living God and to have that peace, to have that joy, to have that love that can only come from you. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, that was great. Thank you. So it was faith again. Feeling, afraid, I trust him. I've never heard that. It's really good. Tuck that away in my back pocket. All right, our next speaker is Caitlin. Now, Caitlin has just recently joined the Coast team as our community worker. She's doing an outstanding job, and you just had your, finally had your graduation. Yoo-hoo! Cap and gown. Yeah, so that was uh, Bachelors of Politics and International Relations. She's a smart cookie, this one, and I'm going to hand it over to you. (laughs) 
Alrighty, good morning everyone and also warm greetings to those of you who are tuning in on the live stream, just making sure you know that we haven't forgotten about you. Um, so firstly, can I just say a huge thank you to Andrew for the word that you have imparted with us this morning. Super thought-provoking um, and a lot of wisdom there, so thank you very much for that. So today, Matt has asked us to think um, and to think about what we've been thinking about. And for me, if I am to think about what I've been thinking about, that would be God's faithfulness. So what is God's faithfulness? Well, it means that God will always do what he said and fulfill what he has promised. And when we were doing worship before, I was just oh, undone by that final song. So thank you so much, um, Dean and Joe and the team um, for that. And that's pretty much my message for the day. So I'm not sure if I'm really needed up here, but we'll go with it anyway. So um, I do a little bit of basketball coaching uh, for a girls program. And one of the skills that we teach our girls is shooting technique. And for all those here who may appreciate the game of basketball, uh, you'll know that one of the key components to a great shot is the finish, which is called the follow-through. So that's the motion, that's the action. Um, so the follow-through is necessary for developing a fluid shot. And holding your follow-through at the end of the shot ensures that your shooting motion does not end early. And if your shot ends early, well, that can negatively affect your range, uh, your ball rotation, and accuracy. Now, I acknowledge that you're not all gathered here today to have a lesson on the shooting mechanics, um, but I think the same can be true um, said for God, that if we trust him on the follow-through, he isn't going to let our shot end early. He is well-practiced, consistent. The Bible tells us that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible proves that he is faithful time and time again to follow through on his promises. And that leads me to my first point, which is check out God's shooting stats. Now, you probably won't be able to find any shooting stats for God on mba.com, but there's another source which, God's shooting, which shows God's shooting stats and a strong track record, and that is the Bible. So on the wild ride that has been of 2020, I think it's important to take a step back and to remember how God has been faithful on the follow-through in times gone by. And for some of us, we may be struggling to see God in this present moment. But it's important to look back and see where he has been ever-present, ever-faithful, the past promises that have been kept and the hope that has been fulfilled. And if we look at the Bible, we see that it's packed with stories of God nailing his shots. And I didn't want to make God seem like a one-hit wonder here today by just putting one story up on the screen. I would need longer than 10 minutes to go into how God was faithful to follow through with the parting of the Red Sea for the Israelites when escaping Egypt, or how God was faithful to follow through with Esther when risking her life to approach the king in order to rescue the Jewish people from the genocide, or how God was faithful to follow through in releasing Paul and Silas from prison by an earthquake that made prison chains and doors go loose, and how God was faithful to follow through, remembering God's greatest shot of all time, where he was faithful in sending Jesus to give us the greatest gift ever of salvation, of hope, and demonstrating the most greatest gift of all time, and remarkable act of love. 
And trust me, if you went around church today, I can say for sure that you can talk to many people who would be able to fill up pages and pages of stories of God being faithful on the follow through. And just on that note, the Bible tells us in Psalm 105 verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. And I want to briefly share a little bit about what I've seen God do in my 2020. Which leads me to point number two, trust God's aim and accuracy. So I started off my 2020 with no formal job after recently wrapping up my university degree um, and stepping down from my role on the local board, feeling prompted that God had something else in mind for me in this next season. I had a couple of different plans at the beginning of the year, all of which were interrupted by lockdown. And the lockdown for me was very challenging in the sense that I felt a little bit purposeless. And to be honest, if I'm frank with you, it felt like God needed to get to the gym and work on his follow-through because it didn't seem like any shots were being made. And I was challenged by this idea of confidence in God without clarity of my current circumstances and trusting that God was aiming in the right direction despite not being able to see the goal. And I want to share a little story with you today about um, a remarkable woman of faith in action that is Mother Teresa. And she has some wisdom to share on this very point of trusting in God. So John Cavanaugh, who was a famous ethicist, went to Calcutta to see Mother Teresa. When he met her, he asked her to pray for him. To which she responded, what do you want me to pray for? And he said that I want clarity. Pray that I have clarity. To which Mother Teresa responded, no, I will not do that. Clarity is the last thing that you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh said that she was always seen to have clarity, the very kind of clarity that he was looking for, Well, Mother Teresa laughed and said, I have never had clarity. And what I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you will trust God. So I think Mother Teresa makes a pretty powerful point here. And essentially she's saying to trust God and his sovereignty over a map of clarity. And trust, well, trust involves clinging to the promises in God's word, knowing that he is faithful to follow through And maybe not in our own desired timing, but he is in charge of the master plan. And Andrew shared a verse with us before, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, which goes, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And if you take note, you'll see that the verse is saying that, For I know the plans I have for you, not the plans that you have for yourself. Um, So I think that puts it into perspective. And a plan which we may not have a clear copy of on hand, but one that you can trust in the competence of its designer. And for me, there was one particular verse that I found great encouragement in during this season, and that was Isaiah 43 verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now this verse um, I really clung to. Um, during that particular season early on in the year. And to be honest, I think 
there's no better option than to trust in God. And the, the world we live in today, we live in the time and era of postmodernism where it says truth is your own, um, you know, do what you please, and there's no grand meta-narratives. Um, but I think the best and most attractive option is living under God's narrative. And so for me, I'm trusting in God's word, and that was a verse I clung to. And Charles Swindle adds some further wisdom on this idea of trust. He says we must cease striving and trust God to provide what he thinks is best and in whatever time he chooses to make it available. But this kind of trusting doesn't come naturally. It's a spiritual crisis of the will in which we must choose to exercise faith. So basically he's acknowledging that trusting isn't easy, but boy is it worth it. And I can confidently say, standing before you in November 2020, that God has aimed well for me. Um, I've been presented with incredible opportunities, um, which were far better than the plans I had or was thinking of in the beginning of the year. Um, two roles were both newly created and opportunities presented where I get to now do some cool work in the community and help those in vulnerable situations. So I'm very grateful to God and how he's followed through. And I could also say the same for another community initiative that I've been involved in called the Hope Shop. Um, God has been so faithful to follow through and we're entering a very exciting season in that journey as well. And that leads me to my third and final point. Glory to the playmaker. So I'd just like to share a wee story from Luke and this is about Jesus healing 10 men with leprosy. It goes like this. So Jesus was on his way traveling to Jerusalem, and on his way he came across 10 men who had leprosy. They all called out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I don't know about you, but to me this passage is quite convicting. It makes me think, how many times have I been like the other nine lepers who took the healing and they didn't have decency to give glory and thanks to the one who made it happen. The others were cleansed, but in their excitement of their new health, they forgot their former condition. Their cries for help and the miraculous response of Jesus. And I think the same could be said true to us today, that in the excitement of God's blessings, it's quite easy to forget where they came from. So whilst checking out God's shooting stats, Whilst trusting in God's aim and accuracy, don't neglect to give glory to the playmaker himself. And especially in a year like 2020, giving glory and expressing our gratitude, I can acknowledge it's not an easy thing because this year's been quite messy, I think it's fair to say. But it's interesting that science itself backs up, backs up this idea of gratitude and the fact that it's beneficial for our own well-being. A gratitude expert, which who knew there was such an available job position, um, says that during a difficult time, gratitude is more important than ever. And that research shows that 
when you give gratitude, it can actually help cope with traumatic events, control negative emotions, and just improve overall well-being. And I think also Jesus, he backs us up here with what he says, um, that in response to this man's praise, he says, your faith has made you whole. So this shows that expressing gratitude lets us know that we are on the right path to wholeness, and humble faith combined with heartfelt gratitude is a combination that will truly bring out God's best in our lives. So coming into land, I see I'm going over time. Apologies. Um, the bottom line is from what I wanted to share with you today, what I felt um, God had laid on my heart, is to keep trusting in God and in his faithfulness through whatever season you may be in, through the trial and the triumph. He is a playmaker with a good game plan, and he is faithful to follow through. Thank you. Yeah, I warned you it's going to be a good morning, eh? It's very, very cool. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Okay, our final speaker. He's not on staff, unfortunately. Uh, but he is one of the fabulous teachers at Kingsway School. And Simeon, too, has just finally been able to put that cap and gown on. Yippee. And so he's just finished Master's in Minister, uh, no, History and a Graduate Diploma in Theology. Is that right? Yeah, see? Not bad. All right. I will hand the mic to you. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. As Jacinda said, my name is Simeon. Um, Matt called me uh, during the week and he said, hey, would you mind, or last week I think, would you mind speaking for like 10 minutes on Sunday? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I sent him my notes and I sent him my slides and Stanley uh, returned them and they added a slide and it said, I've been thinking by Simeon Hawkins. And it made me wonder, because I didn't know that was the name of this little mini talk series. Is this like the Coast Vineyard disclaimer that this is just this guy's opinion and we don't, we don't condone this as a church? This is just this guy's thoughts? So anyway, hopefully we haven't started the clock yet. No, we're good. All right. So hello. These are my thoughts, my opinions. Uh, I wanted to talk today about the fruits of the Spirit. Now, you may have heard a number of sermons on this kind of thing before, and there may even be that quite little groan on the inside, uh, fruits of the Spirit. Heard this before. Well, hopefully, uh, these thoughts might give a new perspective on some of that. So let's have a look. It's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's such a familiar verse, isn't it? These nine fruits of the Spirit. And it's something that I'm sure most of us have probably prayed for. I mean, who here has asked God before for more patience? Dangerous prayer. Or to have more joy. Or ask, you know, God, I, want, I need more self-control. Um, you know, or a greater sense of peace. I know it's something that I've prayed often in life. Um, but let's, let's have a look at the context where this appears. So, in the book of Galatians, it's in this, cha- it's this chunk that Paul is talking about, and it's uh, to do with the flesh versus the spirit. And uh, he's writing to this church in Galatia, and it, uh, this little verse appears at the end of a section between uh, the difference between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. And um, he's, Paul says that living in the flesh is our natural, selfish, sinful state. So it's kind of how we live uh, to please ourselves and pursue whatever we fancy. Can I have the next slide, please, guys? Uh, Paul gives a list of examples that this kind of life leads to. And he says, 
the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I mean, it's quite a list. However, there is another kingdom. There is the kingdom of heaven. Those uh, people living by the Spirit display nine fruits of the Spirit. Again, love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Paul says these people have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In other words, they are not living as they please and pursuing whatever they fancy. Instead, they belong to Jesus. Okay, so let's zoom out to see if we can make sense of all of this. As we've said, there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, and they are polar opposites. And they go by a variety of names and illustrations throughout Scripture. Sometimes they are light and dark, or sin, or salvation, or sometimes flesh and spirit. And it's the foundations of these two kingdoms that are opposite. All right, the kingdom of this world is based on us, on me, and it's all about serving myself. And yet the kingdom of God is all about um, being based on Christ and loving and serving others. So think about it. See, all sins start with selfishness. All sins start with selfishness. I want this, so I'm going to steal it. Or, uh, you know, I have a right to say these kind of things because they hurt me. Or, you know, I want sexual gratification this way, and so I'm going to do this. You know, it's like it's me, it's me, it's me. And it becomes dog-eat-dog, looking out for number one, and it's the world as we know it. It is an inward-focused life of self. And conversely, Scripture invites us to uh, live by a different narrative, to live... Um, an alternative life, the kingdom of God. And, and in this, it says that we sh- there's so many scriptures. We just got a couple slides with some examples, but we are called to put to death the works of the flesh. We should die to self. We should surrender our lives to Jesus. God promises that he will take away our sinful hearts and give us hearts of spirit, which set us free from the law of sin and death so that we are no longer slaves of sin. Um, and salvation is a process of moving away from self towards Jesus. And a life in Jesus it doesn't, and it's not in this negative space that a life in Jesus is all about self-denial and discipline and not and not and not. But actually, it's the opposite. It's life. It's your call to live for and to love, and, and it's an outward expression. Um, let's have a look at the greatest commandment. Okay, so someone asked Jesus, you know, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said that if you live this way, this way of loving God and loving others, and side note, to love God is to love others, then you do everything that you are called to. To be a Christian is to live a life based on Christ. It is an outward focused life. So, to live in the kingdom of this world is to live in the flesh. It's an inward focused life of living for yourself. To live in the kingdom of God is to live by the Spirit. It is an outward focused life lived for others. So with that in mind, let's return to the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are fruits of, or products of, or the results of a life lived by the Spirit, a life based on loving God and others. And when we live this outward life based on love, these things become the byproducts of that life. 
more than that. They're not just like some self-reward because you've done what God said. They are the actual outward expressions of love. So let me explain. In this modern world that we live in, everything is internalized, right? It all becomes, we've, we've shown that it's self-based as its whole foundation, and so we approach life with this self-based um, perspective. For example, take meditation. Meditation in scripture is about pondering on God's word. Yeah, it's looking at his glory, manifesting creation. It's outward attention on something greater than yourself. Meditation, as we usually see in pop culture, and yoga and mystic religions is about finding an inner peace. It's about the light within you. It's about an inward reflection on something within yourself. And because we live in this you know, self-focused world, it feels like it's a good thing, but it's based on the wrong foundation. So I, for years, saw the fruits of the Spirit this way, right? And I saw them as inward gifts of self-improvement. You know, I wanted to be more peaceful as a person. I wanted to be more joyful. I wanted to have more self-control. And the motive seems all good because I want, notice the starting place, I want to be a good Christian and I want to, you know, to serve God better. And it feels all good, but the reality is I've got the wrong starting point. So I want to suggest that the fruits of the Spirit are outward expressions of life lived by the Spirit. So what does it really look like? We love others. We celebrate with others when they are happy. You know, we bring peace into people's storms. We are patient when people are annoying. Yeah, we are kind to everyone. Our dealings and our decisions are good and fair. We faithfully serve people. We don't pull out when the going gets tough. Our responses are gentle in the face of wrongdoing. And we don't lose our cool when people get angry and we don't seek revenge when we suffer injustice. They are outward fruits of a life of love and to see them as characteristics of self-improvement is to recast them under the wrong kingdom. Let's have a look at nature, see if we can see if this lines up with God's reflection of heaven in creation. So a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly by building a chrysalis and encasing itself. They shut themselves off from the rest of the world and they gradually transform in private, eventually emerging as a butterfly. And we can often think that way as Christians. We meet Jesus and we get saved and then we bunker down in church groups, we shut out previous communities and we focus on puring ourselves and maturing as if that's a private and secluded process. Our personal relationship with Jesus, which of course is of high value, but it is a part of the Christian life, not the totality, our personal relationship with Jesus becomes our primary inward focus. Imagine that one day, one day, when we're these refined, mature Christians, then we can emerge and the world will be in awe of our beautiful butterfly self. But a caterpillar is not the only animal that transforms. Tadpoles turn into frogs. No cocoons and no seclusion. Theirs is a gradual day-by-day -day change amid the community and the hustle and bustle of pond life. The result is the same, but while frogs lack the big reveal of emerging from the cocoon, they are no less a transformed animal. And through their process, they have contributed to, their, uh, to the beauty, the diversity, and the health of their environment and community. Are we also called to transformation through a life lived in community, not seclusion? 
are the fruits of a life by the Spirit experienced through our interactions with everyday humanity? Maybe. Let's have a look at one more example. Let's look at the gifts of the Spirit. If you're not unfamiliar with these, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about these, and it says, he refers to the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of healings, gifts of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpreting those tongues. Now, with arguably the exception of praying in tongues, although even then only half of the time, these gifts are outward gifts. They are given to bless others in the pursuit of God's kingdom based on love. Words of wisdom are for others. Prophecies are for others. Miracles and healings. It's all about helping others in their journey and their relationship with God. If they weren't supposed to be for others, why are they called gifts? So if we recognize that the gifts of the Spirit are to be given away, they are outward things, then why should the fruits of the Spirit be any different? They are fruits of a life lived in love for others. They are an outward expression of God's love, of God's character shown in love. One last thing to say, and then we'll finish. There's more than nine of them. Is mercy a gift of the Spirit? A fruit of the Spirit, sorry. Is compassion a fruit of the Spirit? Is generosity, is truthfulness. Of course. Just as we know there are more sins besides the ones that Paul lists in that earlier part of the passage, so too there are more fruits than the ones Paul lists. He gives us a fruit platter, not the Heinemann's Encyclopedia of Fruit. So it gives you a taste. So to conclude, when we live an outward life of love, of loving God and loving others, when we live in line with God's kingdom, when we live by the Spirit, these things, the fruits of the Spirit, becomes the hallmark of such a life. And anything, anything that loves others at the cost of self is a fruit of the Spirit. And that uh, is a fruit of heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness today that you have uh, given us a number of voices to speak into our, our multitude of situations represented here in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that you and your spirit, Lord, bring truth and bring wisdom, bring guidance, bring encouragement, Father. Lord, and that as the people have said, Lord, that you are steering us within your purposes and your plans, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are trustworthy, that you do follow through, Father, that you bring comfort and security and self-worth and all of these things, Lord. Thank you for uh, revealing these seeds of encouragement to each of our lives today, Father. And I just pray that you would um, be with each one of us as we go forward in this week and keep us mindful of these things, Lord. Don't let them just be something that we hear and shelve and move on, but Lord, help all of these messages to shape, shape us more in likeness with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.